right. Welcome to this week's episode of The Rambler. I'm your host, Mike McDonald. Listen, uh, this episode is going out very late on Sunday, and I'll tell you why. It's because I just got back from celebrating all weekend with also known as, who just finished celebrating their 20th anniversary, and it was a fantastic weekend, really. Just a great event with great people, and let me tell you something about this organization. This organization now has been around for 20 years. I've been with it on and off for about 10 years. Uh, It's a very long relationship. And I just want to say thank you very much to the current board, the past boards, the founder, Helen McGinnis, and all the founding members of also known as like Joy Lieberthal and Kathy Sacco and Mark Fermi, who's been around forever, and Tom Kaplan, just everybody. Everybody did a fantastic job. Uh, This is an organization that I know and I love. And if you're in the New York City area, I highly recommend that you go and celebrate with this group and network with them because they are some of my favorite people in the entire universe. Okay, like I really love them. I love them so much. And they're lifelong friends. They're lifelong friends of mine. And I, I just really have to put that out there. All right. Uh, Also, I want to give a shout out and a special thank you to the New York City Asian American Student Conference at NYU, who put on a great event for their uh, 10th conference this year. I uh, took part in a panel with Jenna Ushkowitz and Nate Kupel and Xiaoyu Jiang, and uh, it was moderated by Lily Hexter and organized by her twin sister, Nora. Just a fantastic event all around. I don't even know how I ended up on that panel because those individuals are so massively talented and they have such great perspectives. I just don't know how I can compete with that. I don't know how I can compete with that. Listen, today I got a great episode for you. Today's guest is Omyo Kim. She is a psychologist and a professor up at Boston College. She's also putting on a workshop this Saturday for adoptees of color, April 30th, with Amy Ginther, who you may have heard last week, and I highly encourage you to listen to that. This workshop's taking place in New York City from 12 to 5.30. Send your emails to Amy, get in touch with her, or Omyo, and really get in there to do this. I think it's an awesome way to explore your identity, your adoption story, uh, w- without necessarily using just words. Really get your body moving and stuff like that. If you want more information about that, listen to Amy promoted um, on last week's show. I highly encourage you to listen to last week's show with her and Julie Young. Great show. Great show. This week's show is fantastic too. Omeo is immensely talented and a very smart person. I'm very happy I got to sit down and talk with her. She's got really great extensive background a very unique experience and perspective and i uh i hope you enjoy it i really do uh we delve a little bit i know some people have been asking uh, more information about me for some reason i don't know why you guys want to get to know me so much the show's about the guest but uh, we get into me a little bit towards the end of this episode it's a long episode though so i'm just gonna let you guys get right into it and enjoy enjoy my interview with omeo kim That feels awkward to me. Why? So, um, I think the vulnerable is like, such a vulnerable thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm still new, and I'm still like youngish looking. That <laughs> I I feel like much more of like I mean like I dress up for school. You know, like I'm not. Do you? The, yeah, like I dress up for school. Like stuffy, or you're like a stuffy professor. I'm not stuffy, but I'm definitely like some of my colleagues are cooler than me. You know, and I would want to be cooler. In what way? Like just in style? In style, but also like they curse in the classes. You don't like, curse in class? No. I'm much more like, I'm a I'm a professional. And I think it's just like, I'm, I'm overcompensating for being new and being younger looking and being like not a white male where like 
you know, it's like I'm already so different uh-huh. that I feel like it's like I gotta like conform more to be like at least. So you're like overcompensating yes. for your self conscious yes. professorial. Yeah, by like being more, even more perfect. Like I'm a professor. So now um, you're gonna be the uptight Asian professor. Well, I don't know. I heard I'm actually not a pint. I've heard I'm kind of fun. Do like games, but I'm not like cursing and like being like, oh yeah, when I like smoke pot. Do you ever like check Yik Yak to see what the students say about you? I don't think I've ever been on Yik Yak, but I'm not a big Yik Yak checker personally. Okay, don't do it. Don't. Um, I'm gonna give you I a piece think, of advice. It's terrible. I think I would not do it. I mean, you don't want to see what your have kids you started? are saying. I did it and then I deleted it. Okay, okay. Oh, let, let, should we start? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, oh, we're going right now. We're in. Oh, we're in. We're in Wait, it. when should we start? Uh, sometime <laughs> in... You're talking about having different personalities as a professor oh, from oh, your, yeah. your professional life versus your yes, social, social life. life yeah. Which everybody has. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. got... I used to have a girlfriend who didn't really understand that. Okay. She's like, why can't you be you? And I'm like... You are you. You're I, you as I a am professional. Me, you as social. But I have many. It's like that Billy Joel song. There are many different faces that I wear. Okay, I don't know that that Billy Joel song. You, the no, Stranger. You ever, no, I don't know that song. You ever heard The Stranger? No. It's got that really amazing uh, whistle intro. I'm gonna do it without uh, hurting okay, the mic. It. I hope it's it. like. Kind of sounds vaguely familiar. No, I think I think I don't know what you're oh talking about. Oh my god, about. it's okay. Right, we'll listen to it after this. Okay, okay. But it's a good song. But it, I, uh, it's mostly uh, an allegory for the way uh, uh, you have your own personality for the person that you're dating mm, mm-hmm. or sleeping with mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever versus uh, every other face that you wear in your life, which could be your professional life or the way you are with your friends or different groups of friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stuff like that. So there, there. You can be the same person, but have different the the way you act in different settings uh, will affect how you you know yeah you interact with others. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, I think for some people, it's more of a struggle to be that same coherent person. Mm. But I think yeah, definitely. I mean, like. Whatever role you're in, yeah, you're gonna behave differently, and that doesn't mean you're mm-hmm. inauthentic. It just means you're, I agree. You're being yourself in that context. Well, she would, uh, she would. Uh, what am I trying to say? She would accuse me, I guess, of being inauthentic in these different mm. environments. I said, no, I just have to act differently <laughs> in these different environments, but it's still me. Okay, so you felt like you were being authentic. Yeah. Okay. Well, that mean, like to me, I'm being authentic, but I okay. think she was like, you know. Uh, like, why can't you just be yourself around everybody? It's like, well, the way I act around my girlfriend is not the way I should be acting in the office necessarily. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. I think there are times, though, and I don't know if this is like an adopty thing or what, where I have struggled with being more myself in the different contexts. Yeah. Like, I feel like who I am with my family is such a different person than, like, who I am with my friends. Uh-huh. Of course. Um... Yes, I know. There's like a part of me that's like, of course. And there's a part of me that wishes there was more, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, crossover with that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I could, like, I sometimes when I'm with my family, especially my extended family, I feel like 
they're like, you're so boring. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you don't really say anything or you're so quiet or et cetera. Are you very um, like quiet and introverted with your yeah, I just, I guess extended I'm family? Kind of, yeah. I'm just kind of, <clears throat> and it's also just, you know, we don't see each other all that often. Whereas like uh-huh. when I'm with my friends. I can just, you know. There's a colloquialism. Yeah, you just kind of just say whatever. Yes, I think there's but. a comfort level that's available with people that you're close to and your friends especially. Yeah. It might not be available with your great aunt, Susie. Yes, definitely. Definitely, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I don't think that's an adoptee issue. That's just a human issue. I think that's a human issue, though I do wonder if for adoptees it's even more of an issue mm. um, of like that performance piece or like needing to just the trying to figure out who you are under the different layers Mm. right so there's like of course on a very human level we all do this it's extremely normative to do this and if you didn't do that it'd be weird right it would be weird if you're like speaking to your boss the same way you spoke to your girlfriend yes that would be strange um at the same time, I think there's like different levels of being able to do that mm-hmm. and then being like more authentic with who you are. Well, I think this is interesting about like Korean language. I don't know if you know any Korean language. Love it. But, you know, there's Very different good. conjugations of verbs, mm-hmm. uh, the way you would address Yeah, like different honorific people. form. There's an honorific yeah. form. And so it's easier in Korean to be like, distinguish who you're talking to based on what your role is. Yes, and do you think though that it changes <clears throat> you? It doesn't. It doesn't really change you, right? But you might change a little bit, so because of it, right? It's like yes. when I speak Korean, mm-hmm. I am just like a child, you know. It's like, and that's just my la- my level of language ability. Uh huh. Um, I can only say like very simple stuff. Like I like snow. <laughs> it's like. I like music. Like, those are, that's the phrases I can say. Right, yeah. Um, but I There's no, like, do, compound sentences. No, I, I can't. I'm not, like, <laughs> expressing these abstract thoughts. It's just very simple. But at the same time, I'm also, I think, more submissive, more diminutive. Like, I'm, like, shy and, like, awkward. And yeah, but when you're learning Korean, that's, like, know. what they teach you. They teach you the most, like, honorific and... But there is research that looks at people who are bilingual uh-huh. and how their personality changes depending on the language they're speaking. Well, I think because if you're not comfortable with the language too, or it's like your second language, you will speak in a form of language uh, where you're putting somebody else who has a superior language ability above you. Yes, but even for people who are comparable in both languages, personality changes. They've even done personality measures in different languages, and personality would change depending if you're speaking English or Chinese. Uh huh. Um, and so, yes, of course, there's like, you know, I feel like um, you keep going to this, like, it's like we're all humans, this is a human level. <laughs> and I, I totally get that, and I do, I, I agree with you. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I don't know Korean that much, I'm awkward. If I was learning French, it's gonna be like awkward too, because I don't know it. Um, uh huh. And I think it's the end. It's like, that's true. And I think I'm picking up on, like, whatever I think of I'm supposed to be as a Korean woman and the confines of that language and, like, the different ways I understand that language embedded in Korean culture. Uh That's changing the manifestation of personality. So you put yourself in that role based on the language? Based on language and... 
the I culture. Mean, I mean, the culture, because I'm not speaking Korean to, like, some random white person, you know? It's like I'm usually speaking <laughs> Korean to, like, like an old Korean ajuma or something, you know? <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden I'm like, so like, oh, da, da, you know, like oh, I'm bowing and doing everything, you know, <laughs> versus speaking in a more confident, mm. a, I'm an adult. <laughs> like you're an adult. We're both adults speaking to one another sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So we're going to go back. We're going to walk. That was very, I feel like very psychology, professorial. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Going into that research shows this. I'm going to say that so many times. Like, actually, you know, there's a study about this. There's There's a study about everything. Yeah. There's a study about everything. It's an empirical question. Mm. There's many empirical questions. There are many empirical questions that you could study. Yeah. We are going to study you today. All right. Are you ready to do that? (laughs) Excellent. You don't have to be objective about this study, though. Okay. You can be as subjective as you want. Um, It's totally unscientific. Or I can turn it around and I can ask you questions. You could if you want, sure. Yeah. I don't know uh, if I'll answer them straightforwardly, but... Interesting. That's the... Interesting, Mike. What's it say about you? Uh, that I dodge a lot of questions. All right. I wonder why. I've gotten that complaint before. Hmm. wonder why that is. Well, I think it's because this podcast is focused <laughs> on my guests and not okay, on okay, me. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Fair enough. But that's okay because I, I have gotten some feedback that people would like to hear more about me. So I've been trying to put a little bit more of myself out there. But it's also a strategy. I'm going to let you in on this secret mm-hmm. and anybody who's listening to this episode that for the people who do want to know more about me, I don't want to put it all there out there at once. I will dole out certain stories mm. over the life of the show okay, so that they have to keep listening. It's <laughs> like little crumbs it's of like rewards. like little Easter eggs. Little rewards that people, if they <clears throat> continue on, yeah, exactly. then eventually they'll get the whole of you. Yeah, if they want to hear mm. more about me because they hate me, but they want to hear more about how they hate me, so they will hate listening to this podcast okay. in order to have more material. <laughs> Do you think you have hate listeners? Uh, if I do have hate listeners, then I haven't, I haven't heard from them yet, but okay. they could be out there. Mm-hmm. And secretly and hating you in their hearts. it, or maybe they don't know they hate me yet. They're like, there's something about this guy. It's just a little off. Hmm. I don't know if that's true, but it could be. Okay. Uh, well, I don't think, are you, are you looking at me? See if I, I don't think that. No, no, I'm not I've looking, I'm not looking at you oh, as a oh. surrogate for I was uh, like, the listeners. I best not, I don't hate listening to you. I'm just saying there's like a Schrodinger's cat of listeners okay, out okay. there. <laughs> and the possibilities it's, are endless as true. far as I'm concerned. It is true. Yeah, philosophically. Okay. I'm speaking in very uh, high platitudes about listeners that I never hear about or from. I don't know if they're Maybe out there. Maybe this is a time for listeners to call in and we can take questions. If you're listening to this, please call in at... <laughs> I don't have a number. This is not live. I know it's not live. <laughs> but it wouldn't be weird if my phone rang. I know. It's like, uh, is this playing right now? Especially because it's on airplane mode. <laughs> mm. Okay. So we're going to go back. We're going to go back about you. Okay. Yeah. What do you want to know about me? Well, first of all, let's uh, hear about where you uh, were adopted from. Let's start with that. Um, I was adopted from Seoul. Mm-hmm. I was born in um, Kwanaku, which is right by Seoul National University. Mm-hmm. And um, I was adopted at around eight months. Okay. And do you mind saying what year? No, not at all. 1980. 1980. Born in 1980. Actually, I think I came, though, in like 
January of 81, technically. So, um, or it was like end of December, beginning January mm-hmm. sometime. So, um, yeah, but born in 80. Okay. Um, right around the Gwangju uprising. I don't know about this. Okay, it was an uprising. Give me a history. It was an uprising in Korea. Uh-huh. So, um, what was it circled around? Um, it was around... Not around you. No, imagine. <laughs> like, my birth caused this uprising. It's like <laughs> my mythology that I have about myself. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be... It's like some kind of, of prophecy or something. I know. It's like... What's going to happen? Yeah. Um, no, no, it was not about me. It wasn't even the Seoul, it was in Gwangju, so um, southern. And it was around the like, student protests, around like the student democratic movement. Uh-huh. But, um, I think I actually saw a movie about this. Did you? I think so. Okay. Was it suppressed by the military and the police? Yes. Is yes. It, this is like a big thing. Yes, Students died. Big, uh, yes, it was a big thing. Um, very violent, Was this the, uh, the current president's father when this happened? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So, I did see this movie. Um, it was, a, yeah, it was really um, very tragic and yeah. a memorial um, in Gwangju around It's pretty this. crazy. Yeah. So, Have you seen this movie? I've not seen this movie. I didn't even know there was a movie I don't even remember. It. I, I watched it when I was taking Korean. Okay. Uh, she showed it in the class. The teacher showed mm. it in the class. And it was... Uh, this crazy movie about that because it was a crazy event, but it was like the one scene I remember was when the police actually and the army actually shot these students, right? Oh, and yeah, so yeah. they meet in the streets mm-hmm. and the students start singing the Korean national anthem and all the police in the military like uh, pay their respects to the national mm-hmm. anthem, like take off their helmets and everybody's like feeling really patriotic. And then as soon as the national anthem's over, the police and the army just shoot all these students. Oh, my God. And it's just like, it's what the hell just happened? Yeah, And yeah. you thought they were, like, bonding over this thing, and oh then it's like, God. nope. Yeah, it was crazy. I don't know if that actually happened, but in the movie it was very dramatic. No, I, I've heard it. It was very violent, and yeah. um, students died. And so the the way I found out about this actually was I Googled my birthday. Yeah, um, and that's like what came up? May 15th, 1980, Seoul, Korea, and there was a YouTube video, and I was like, and so I clicked on this YouTube video, um, and it was the Gwangju Uprising. Yeah. And it was um, footage in Seoul that um, even though the uprising was in Gwangju, it was like there's still pro- student protests yeah. in Seoul. And so I was like, oh shit, I was like born during an uprising. <laughs> in, the midst in the midst of, of an uprising. Protest. So yeah. um, it was just, it was interesting. Also, like, um, just gave me some context mm-hmm. of. The way so you were born was, yeah. in this insane so state yes. of intra-country conflict yes. of Korea. That's when I was born. And, um, and you arrived in America. Arrived in America. In the midst of the JFK, Cold War. Went into New York City. Um, then um, grew hey, up in New, New Jersey. York. <laughs> Ooh, New York. And New Jersey. Grew up in Jersey. Jersey. Yes. Which part of Jersey did you grow up? Bergen to? County. Ber- well, where in Bergen County? I, it's so funny because like... I'm a, it's such a small town. It's called Creskill. Yeah, I don't know where that is. See, that's why I don't go. I'm not like I'm from Creskill, New Jersey. But it's like it's next to um, <clears throat> Englewood and Tenafly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I know both of those places. Okay, so that's what I usually say. Sure, like, Englewood's I'm where all the rappers retire. Englewood. Yeah. Actually, Bergen County is literally the... So I live on the Jersey-New York border. Mm. But if you cross over that border into New Jersey, Bergen County is where you end up. Yep. 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 Where do you live? It's Edgewater? Uh, so I do not live in Edgewater, uh, which would be awesome, because uh, they have a great Japanese uh, grocery store. It's Mitsuwa. Mitsuwa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, no, I live in Rockland County, New York. Okay. Uh, which is just on the other side. Yeah. New Jersey. Nice. Yes. So you grew up there? Yeah, I grew up there. How was that? Um, it was fine. I mean, Crestwood's a very small town, very suburban. Uh-huh. Um, can't complain. Also, um, I grew up with a lot of Koreans, which is maybe not typical for some Korean adoptees. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like probably 20, 25%, not 25%, but like 20% of my school was Korean. What? American. There, it's like Creskills, Fort Lee, well, Fort Lee, Cal Park, sure. the whole Cal area is very Korean. And, um... My little town has become more and more Korean all the time. Really? Yeah, like if you is go to Koreans like... Is it because Koreans from like Fort Lee are like they... No, I think they should Koreans just got cluster Economically together. and they moved out to like Maybe. by Englewood and Tenafly. They just cluster together. Um, so now <clears> I heard there's like a Korean PTA in my school because they felt like the regular what? PTA was not good enough. You know, it's like a Korean thing. It's like, so they're like now Korean mom's PTA. <laughs> and, um, like if you go to the pharmacy in Creskill, it says uh, Yakuk on it. And like when I first saw it, <laughs> crazy. Have you been to Palisades Park recently? Um, yes, I have. When? Um, over Easter, I drove through Palisades Park. It's like Seoul. Yeah. It's like, uh, I just recently went there and I was just like, it's kind of always amazed. been like that though. Well, I, I, I never spent, like, significant amount of time, but oh. we went to dinner there, and we went to this restaurant, and it was like, you couldn't even find somebody who spoke English. It was, like, all Korean. Yeah. yeah you'd see Yakuk and Norebang and, like, all this Korean shit, and I'm just like, we could be in Seoul right now, like, literally. Yeah. Like, this is just, like, Seoul. <laughs> but that's how I feel like it's been like that for a while. Maybe it's even more so now. I don't know. But, like, when I was Probably in not since Easter. college, I <laughs> expanded. Um, no, but when I was in college, I felt like it was... It was definitely little Korea. I mean, you would go down the street uh-huh. and everything's in Korean. Yeah. Right? And like yeah. the people in the Big stores time. couldn't speak English. Yeah. So like I would go in and they're like, oh, I couldn't, like we couldn't communicate to each other. Uh-huh. Um, so you didn't like, even though you were raised in a place where there was like 20% Koreans. I you, didn't. You didn't really like try to, your, your parents didn't try to get you to learn the language or anything? No. I mean, my parents are Italian, Irish, Americans. Mm-hmm. Um they and they raised me as if I'm an Italian Irish American girl. Okay. Um, and it's so, like Sunday great big Sunday dinners. Yes, big Sunday very Catholic big Sunday oh, dinners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, both you my go to church multiple times a day or a week, or did you just go no, on Sunday? Just Sunday. We're just Sunday Catholics. Okay. Like, that's like, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a very like. Um, I would say more Italian than Irish. I felt like the Italian uh-huh. side was very strong, but like sure. an Italian American, New Jersey family. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I was missed all these Korean, there was a lot of access to Koreans yeah. and like Korean food and Korean culture. Uh-huh. Um, which you know, I guess it was only when I left New Jersey and I went to Minnesota. And then I met people where they thought that was really strange. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that was pretty unique. Not everyone grew Which up with part? That. The Italian-American? No, no, not the Italian. When I talked to other adoptees, like CADs in Minnesota, uh-huh. that, like, there was all these, like, Korean people around me. Oh, yeah, yeah they yeah, were yeah. like, oh, weird. And they weren't Korean adoptees. They were, like, 
Korean American. Right, right, right. Like, I didn't know any Korean adoptees, so we're all Korean American. Well, like, where are the Korean population centers outside of New York and LA, really? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, no matter where you go, you'll see a Korean church, but aside from that, I don't see any other no, Koreans. No, no. I mean, there's the clusters, right? But yeah. Like DCs are the cluster. Sure. Atlanta, et cetera. But, mm-hmm. North yeah. Virginia. But turns out Minnesota. It's not a cluster. <clears throat> no, they're a cluster of many other immigrant populations. Yes. Korean is not one of them. No. Well, Korean adoptees maybe. Korean adoptees there are, but in terms of growing up with the culture and the language, yeah, no, it's no. totally missing from that area. Yeah. yeah. Um, though, uh, in terms of the food, at least, getting better all the time. <laughs> So the well, so in New Jersey, you have yeah, no lack of Korean food. No, but I didn't grow up eating Korean food, so it, was, it is weird because it's like I know people are like, "How did you not?" But I mean, as a child, I'm not like exploring food on my own. I'm but not your like, parents didn't want to go no, to like we any didn't, Korean restaurants. We never went to Korean restaurants. Like, what kind of restaurants did you eat at? As Italian, a just Italian. Um, like Pan American kind of restaurants, uh-huh. but um. We didn't go eat Korean food. The only time I had Korean food growing up was at the same camp you went to, Holt Camp. Holt Camp. Woo, Holt Camp. But you were a camper there? Yeah, I was a camper there. What years did you go to Holt Camp? Oh, God, I don't even remember. But I was in um, elementary school. And I was there for like like two years at least. Only two? Yeah, maybe three, maybe. What happened? I don't know. I wasn't that into it. So you said, this isn't my thing. Yeah, they were always like, you can choose. I mean, my brother's also adopted um, from Korea. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. So what's the and family structure? Didn't. Oh. <laughs> um, so my parents, and then I have an older brother who's adopted, who's white, domestically adopted. Okay. And then I have a younger brother who's Korean, um, who um, is not my biological brother, uh-huh. but also a Korean adoptee. And you were both adopted through Holt? Both adopted through Holt. But not your older brother? No, no. He's not Holt. I don't even know. Does Holt do domestic adoptions? I think no. I think it's just international, yes. right? All yes. right. As far as I know. Um, and so, Did yeah. Did your parents so like, tell him that he's adopted? My older brother? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knew? Yeah. Didn't I mean, we all it. knew. We all knew. <laughs> I mean. I wonder um, about that with like uh, same race adopt- yes. domestic adoptions. But interestingly enough, my older brother also does not look anything like my parents. Oh, yeah. Like, the five of us actually look nothing alike, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the Korean thing makes sense, sure. <laughs> um, no, I mean, even like my, my younger <clears throat> brother, it's like we're just like five people, we look nothing alike. Um, and what was I saying? Oh, um, yeah, like my younger brother didn't go to Holt Camp. Okay. Um, it was always so it was like, just this you. is your choice. You get to do it or not. And I chose to do it. Um, but then, you know, I was I was like kind of into it. But I was never uh-huh. like, a, I'm not an extrovert. I was not an extroverted child. I was uh-huh. very shy. Okay. Um, and I feel like camp culture is just not made for the shy child. You know, it's like. It's, like, it's very, it's yeah. Very, like, well, it's you a lot of energy. You like, sing all the songs. It's high <clears throat> energy all the time. Yeah, yeah. We're always like. Chanting and like <laughs> doing all the contests. You gotta do the chuga. You yes, gotta dance. Yes, you gotta do chuga. mail call. You gotta I do. hated that. I was much more like, <clears throat> I just wanted a book. And for an introvert, there's like no escape, really. There's no escape. There's no escape. You're constantly like, uh, you know, you have to be on all the yeah. time. Though one year, I did get best camper in the cabin. 
Because you were the most well-behaved? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Totally true. That, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Sure. So I was like really well-behaved. <laughs> like somebody did something like that. <laughs> so supportive. But um, no, I mean, I was not like, I dreaded actually getting mail. So after campfire, you were just like, I just want to go to sleep. Yeah, I just wanted to, like, read a book or something or, like... Did you go, like, row the boat out to the middle of the lake by yourself and just no, <laughs> try to get away? No, no, I didn't mind it, but um, I also didn't love it. Okay. There was, like, parts of it I really liked. Did you make there. any friends there that you, like, you wanted to, like... I did make friends, but I never kept in touch with them. Uh-huh. But I still you remember this one friend. Uh, no, but I still remember one friend. Her name was Eve. Eve, if you're out there, please contact me. What was her last name? I don't know. All right, so Eve from Holt Camp. From Holt Camp in like '91. Like, I totally remember her. She was like one of my friends. She was also kind of quiet. Uh huh. So we did like quiet things together. <laughs> you were like hid away uh, from fan dancing class. Oh my god, fan dancing! Did, did you do I the fan dancing? Yes, and when I was a counselor, I taught fan. Okay, this is the biggest joke because. <laughs> I taught fan dancing. I also helped teach Korean language. Uh-huh. And, like, my Korean is so poor. But I guess, like, at the time, they are like, you, you're the best one here. I mean, <laughs> like, hey, you know the alphabet. You got. Yeah. I'm like, you know yeah. the alphabet. Sure. Like, you can kind of read. So it's like, there you go. All right, I guess I'll do it. Um, I also taught the fan dancing. I uh, just, just did the same routines. I helped teach it, actually. I didn't, co- I was like co teaching it. But I did the same routines that I remember doing. You know, like the flower? Nice. Oh, And yeah, then you have to, sure. like, ruffle the, the yeah. fan. Mm-hmm. There's, like, 20 girls and, like, yes. that one guy who wanted to do it because all the girls were there. And you do the... I don't know that guy. Thing. I've never... We never... It was always uh, just, like... Oh, really? Very, very gendered, yeah. Oh, no. It was probably... Like, I was probably Taekwondo. doing that. You did, did the fan dancing. You were that one guy? Uh, maybe. I think it, mostly when I was younger, I probably did the, the taekwondo. But then I was like, I'm over this. And I'll do the fan dancing. Interesting. I think I did the, the... Well, everybody did the skits. Everyone had to do the skits. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So we're going we're gonna to fast forward and then we're going to rewind. Because okay. I want to unpack the fact that you went for two years. You were uncomfortable. Maybe three. I think I went Possibly three. 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 Yeah. You weren't comfortable there because you were introverted. And then you made the decision to be a counselor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's not like I hated it. I just also didn't love it. It just wasn't like, but it wasn't like, like a place. I didn't feel like I'm really looking forward to camp. You know, some kids, like, really looking forward to it. I know these well, kids. Well, that was me. Come, okay, that was you. Mike right. McDonald. Sure. Like, you're, like, popular and, like, people are like, Mike, oh, my God, it's been a year. Like, okay, yeah, that maybe, was not okay. me. That was like I was just like, hey. <laughs> but then, but what, I didn't what, hate it. It look, was fine. I didn't hate uh, working in retail at CVS either. I didn't love it, but it's not something that I'm like. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I could do that again. Like, why? Why would you want to be a counselor if it was just like this? Um, well, thing? do you know what? It's funny. I feel like. Even as a child, I would have been a better counselor than camper. Like, <laughs> I always kind of felt like this. Like, even as a child, like, like I didn't really like roller coasters. Just, I think I feel like there's gonna be a point where I'm like I meet up, you know, <laughs> with like my true age. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I I do. I think even as a child, I would have been more comfortable as a counselor. Were you? I, as a counselor, I was very comfortable. Yeah. 
So like like taking care of the kids. Yeah. And like helping them like get adjusted and stuff. That was fun. And like we're gonna make bulgogi right now. Yeah, it was like fun. It was fun. And um, uh, so our well, your ex counselor, Greg. You look scared when I said your ex. I was yeah. There was like a look of fear in your face. Like I was gonna bring up an ex. I was like, which one? Serious look of fear on your face. I just want to call that out. All my exes, it was from like, oh my god, middle school to like the middle of high school, were from Hope Camp. Were they? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, big time. (laughs) Even when I was in elementary school, my like quote unquote girlfriends, they were like really more like pen pals from like what nine to twelve or nine to thirteen or something like that. Were like all from Hope Camp. This is why you love camp. Why? Because of girls? Yeah, I mean, you had a string. Apparently, this like ongoing string of people that you (laughs) dated. Anyway, I was going to say your ex counselor. My ex counselor. Greg. Greg, okay. Was my friend at Rutgers. G. Willie. Yes, Greg. Wait, he went to Rutgers? Yes. I didn't even know this. You know him. Um, He. Was like, I'm doing this camp if you want to. And I was like, oh, yeah, I went to that camp. And then, um, yeah, we we knew each other at Rutgers. And so then he kind of recruited me. And then I did the camp. I was a counselor. Nice. Yeah. And so you enjoyed that? I did. I liked it. I would do, I would do it again. Okay. So now we're going to go. I'm not doing it again. Now but gonna, I would. <laughs> you're going to direct it this year. <laughs> I'm like, so. No, no, I'm not doing that. But I mean, uh, I'm I not believe uh, Steve Kalb is the. Overall overseer of Holt Camps. I know so Steve. Steve. Hey, Steve. If you're listening to this, uh, Omeo really wants to direct the <laughs> camp this year. Um, I would be a terrible director. <laughs> I'd be like, let's all sit down. I think it'd be fun. It'd be like you could treat it like a whole research thing. Oh my gosh, that would be interesting. Um, I don't study. think I would get like institutional review parents, or approval. Why? On doing, I, I don't. As long as the parents sign the waiver, like who cares? I think that's not really how research works. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there are like some other things. Oh come in. on! <laughs> I saw the results of the Stanford Prison Experiment. It could be like that. It could be like that. Oh my god! <laughs> so terrible. Like children are crying at the end. <laughs> half of you are prisoners and half of you are guards. Go over here. <laughs> but we have to make it adoption related. Yeah. Well. So it's like. Half of you are going to be adopted, <laughs> half of you are not. Half of um, you are adopted and half of you are white parents now. And it's like, okay, go. <laughs> there you terrible. Go. I know, that's ter- uh, terrible. Uh, that's why we're not doing that. Well, this is why I can't be a psychologist. Okay, okay, all right. So we're going to, re- back, I said we're going to rewind, we're going to rewind. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that the only adoption or Korean related thing that you uh, did that your parents wanted you to do? Or asked they you didn't you want me to, to do. do, it was an option. Um, <clears> yeah, and then... Other than that, um, the other Korean thing that I chose to do was Korean church oh, in yeah? high school. Wait, so, but wait, wait, so Korean churches are notoriously Protestant, but you're being raised Catholic. Yeah, I converted. As a child, you converted? <laughs> I converted, um, yeah, in like my <laughs> junior year of high school. Why are you laughing? You're just like, hey, mom and dad, <laughs> I know I grew up Catholic. I'm nine, but here are the 99 no, theses. No. And what's wrong with the Catholic Church? Um, <laughs> I was older than that, but actually I did feel like How there were some problems with the Catholic Church that um, I was not I was not Comfortable with? with? Yeah, I was not. I was, uh, yes, like I was what? Not, um, 
Well, for starters, I felt like when I was going to Catholic school and in Catholic you went to Catholic church, school. Um, well, CCD. Oh, CCD. Yeah, yeah, not Catholic school. What did CCD like, stand for? Do you remember? Because oh we used to say Central City Dump. <laughs> I, <laughs> doubt, <laughs> I doubt that's oh no, what it was. CCD is like, <laughs> isn't it like catechism? I don't know. I literally don't even know. Do you know what's shocking? I never thought about it. Really? Like, I never, as a child, Well, you child, just know it like, as CCD. What is CCD? I don't what know if I it? ever asked that. I don't know. Well, I mean, I can't even imagine <clears throat> what it would be. Do you know what I mean? You would think, like, it would be, like, Catholic... Catechism doctrine. Diocese? <laughs> oh, diocese is a good one. Yeah, um, sure. Nothing. Nothing's coming to me. <laughs> Okay. Discipline? So, so, I don't know. So you go to CCD. Yeah, I go to CCD. And then you start telling your CCD teacher that No, no, I go to CCD. I here. like make my communion. I do everything. I do confirmation. Oh, you and got after, confirmed. Com- after I got confirmed, mm-hmm. that's when I started. Um, okay, so the Korean church, um, I have a very long and sorted history of the Korean church. So the Korean church. How did you get of, involved with the Korean church? So, so I was that like person they talk about um so a friend from high school invited me to a movie night this is how it starts you know what i mean oh yeah there's also how cults start by the way um i totally know that and (laughs) i know i don't even think it's funny it's like come to a party yes and so it's like it was a movie night and i was like Mm -hmm. okay and so i went to movie night do you remember what movie it was no Okay. Next thing Not you know. Not important. I'm going on a camping retreat. Next thing you know, <laughs> I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's like, it just was like a succession sure, of things. Yeah. Um, and my, like, I don't know if it was an explicit thing of like, oh, are Catholics really saved, etc. But I remember really? thinking, yeah, I remember thinking like, um, like, is the rest of my family really saved because they're Catholic? Do they really know oh. Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Did they? Or, I mean, I think, I think my brother did like, <laughs> yes. What did your brothers think about it? Or your parents? Were they I like... I think they thought it was like my discovering my Koreanness. Uh-huh. And, you know, as an adult So now, they allowed that they were just like, sure, you want to go to Korean church? Like, yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah, they were an anti it. Uh-huh. Um, I could imagine they were like that's weird because korean church is like you go all the time so i was going friday night uh-huh. i was going sunday all day um and then like as i got more involved in it in like uh-huh. college i was going like three times a week yeah you know? like i was going a lot so this continued um, through college it continued and got stronger did you join ksa at rutgers i did no not ksa KSA were like heathens. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed. Uh, I don't want to deal with your drumming circle. <laughs> and you're like for soju drinking. It's like. Do they do kids. that? Yes. Like, it was so that like sunbe hube. Like you, if I, if I tell you to drink, you need to drink, etc. Wow. And I didn't drink anything and in college because like, no. I was like so like I'm a Christian. Yesu says no. Yes. So I was a Christian. So I I didn't drink and I didn't party. I didn't. Even though Jesus that. turned water into wine. Even though. Wow. All right. Fair um, enough. Okay. So, no, I was part of KCF, Korean Christian Fellowship. So you're like deep into it now. Yeah, I was deep into it. Were you um, like the president of the KCF? No, but I was a treasurer. Okay. <laughs> so you're on the board. I was on the board. You're a board um, member. But yeah, I think, and um, I was really involved in my church. I was really involved uh-huh. in KCF. And okay. then I was doing a gazillion things at Rutgers because I was such an overachiever. Sure. So, what things were you doing at Rutgers other than KCF? Um, well, I was just doing a lot of, like, academic, so, um, 
at one point I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to triple major and like I'm going to do the honors program. I didn't even know that was possible. That was possible. And I was going to do the honors program. I'm going to do other things. So I just ended up, um, I, I just worked really hard too. So uh-huh. I was just like, had a very strict schedule in college. And you weren't on like Adderall or something? This is no, just you? No, no. It was just, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh, All right. Okay. I loved college actually. I, I also like, loved college. Yeah, like even though I didn't work college, nearly like, as hard oh as you did. Um, and then I went to seminary. Holy I was shit! A, yeah, <laughs> oh my god, you your face is like totally shocked. <laughs> yeah, I went to seminary. Um, That's actually I I've heard I don't know is a pretty what? good seminary program at Rutgers. Oh, I went to Princeton. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, but I, I'm sure Rutgers <laughs> Seminary is fine. But after college... You decided to go to Princeton for seminary school. Yes. Um, just seminary. Actually, my my parents always said seminary school. It's just seminary. Oh, it's just it's seminary? Just seminary. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, no, it's fine. It's fine. Everyone does that. Okay, so you um, go to seminary. <laughs> yes. To what, um, be a nun? Like, what do you no, do there? No, no. Um, actually, that was my parents' big fear. They're like, I was like, no, it's not... It's not that's not even an option. Um, I guess, yeah. For that's Catholic. Protestants, there's yes. no nunnery. No. Um, so I, what I did is after, um, after college, I went to China. Um, uh huh. As like a missionary. Yes, I was an English teacher missionary with my church. Okay. Um, for a month, and then I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I was thinking of taking the LSAT, et cetera, et cetera, because everyone was doing it. Everyone after was missionary to law school. school or no, no, your this mission? is before. This is right after. Um, after right seminary. After, no, right after college. Oh. I was thinking like I don't know what I want to do. Right. So you were thinking law school or seminary? No, no, no. First, <laughs> I was just thinking like maybe I'll go to law school. I don't know. So I ended uh-huh. up for a year um, teaching. So I taught children with autism for a year. In China? Nope. Um, okay, okay, okay. Give me the order of the events. This is getting confusing. Yes. And I understand. I mean, this is a little bit complicated. All right, you graduate Rutgers. Graduate Rutgers. With a triple major in what? No, I didn't triple major. I actually was two labs away from triple majoring. So you double major. You just double majored in what? In um, English and calm journalism. And then Uh communication. And then, uh, well, I did my thesis in the journalism school. That's why it's confusing. But, um, (laughs) and psychology was the one that I didn't declare as a major. You didn't de- did Isn't you that minor funny? in it? Yeah, yeah, I minored in it. Okay. Because I needed to take those two labs and I just do didn't do it. Okay. So then you graduate Rutgers. Graduate Rutgers. I went to China for summer for a few for like a month and a half. With with like my church. people you know from KCF? No, from... no, 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 no. People from my church then. So what church was this? This was a church in New Brunswick. Uh-huh. And then a Korean after, church. Uh Korean American church. Uh-huh. Um and then after that, I came back. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And then I taught um, those children with autism. Uh-huh. I did ABA therapy for a year. In that year, that's when I decided to go to seminary. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of it was because I was a Sunday school teacher okay. for many years. And they needed a Sunday school pastor. Mm-hmm. I never thought I was going to become a pastor, become ordained. To be honest, my church was very conservative and they don't even have women pastors. They don't ordain women pastors. And so like the only reason I could be a Sunday school pastor is because technically though we were children and not like I wasn't preaching over men. I was preaching over children. Oh, yeah. That is very conservative conservative church. Sure. Um, So because men can't be taught by a woman. God, not, not in that sort of role, at Uh least from that. That's from their, that's their view though. That was their view. Uh Yeah. 
Um, so that's why they didn't, they don't have ordained women pastors. So, um, what was that? Oh yeah. So I decided to go to seminary. Um, I applied, I got into Princeton uh-huh. and I deferred for a year. I know is this, this is all, I'm all over the place, right? No, no, no. This is, so this is linear. I'm getting for this. for a year. I went to Korea. Uh-huh. Um, I taught English in Korea for a year. And then I As came, a mission or no, no, just no. teaching just English? Just teaching English. Okay. And then I came back and I did three years of Princeton Seminary. Uh-huh. And then right after I graduated, I went straight into the U, University of Minnesota. Okay. And then I did six years of a PhD program there. Okay. Yeah. And you, and you like... Wait, wait, wait. So, <laughs> so now you skipped over some stuff again because between seminary and doing all that and then the you, uh, did, did you, you decided to go for a PhD, not become a pastor. No, I was never going to become a pastor. Uh-huh. Um, I thought maybe do something in Christian education. Right. But, um. And then what changed? So the primary change was I was always interested in psychology. Uh-huh. Um, that was always kind of a path. And I mean, even working with the children with autism, I was like, maybe something in that field. Right. Um, but the big thing was that when I was at seminary for those three years, I was a Sunday school pastor at the church. Uh-huh. It was the way the, a lot of these churches work is like, it's a first generation Korean parent church. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, um, like <clears throat> has some connection or relationship to the Korean American church the right. english ministry and the korean ministry right okay so i was working in under the korean ministry primarily as the sunday school pastor to the children okay um and the primary thing that i was doing was counseling mm-hmm. i was that was the like counseling families and children and so in those three years i realized that's actually what i really want to do and that's what i like doing mm-hmm. and so then i went into the counseling phd program at the university of minnesota um, and that's the rest is history. I'm no, just kidding. Um, and <laughs> there we go. And then I finished that. Um, I did a postdoc and then I came to BC. Um, I'm now starting my, this is my second year, not starting. Obviously it's like, it's over. So I finished <laughs> my second year. <laughs> okay. And yeah. you're still teaching Sunday school? No. No, Wait. I fell away from <laughs> the church. You said that so forcefully. Yeah, no, I'm not. I actually um, stopped going to church altogether. So at some point. wait, so when did that happen? That happened. That was a gradual um, happening. It was when I was in Korea. I was kind of I was like involved in the church, uh-huh. but I was also starting to question a lot of things. Like what? Like um. I mean, I always kind of questioned the conservatism of my church. Um, because you couldn't be a pastor? And just not, not just me personally, not like that I wanted to be a pastor, but like the fact that women couldn't be pastors and uh-huh. some of the contradictions uh-huh. um, and the hypocrisy. So it's like that was always something that I was questioning. Do you um, remember specifically any instances where you were like, that's effed up, like I don't believe in that anymore? Or... Not like a specific instance. It was just a lot of times where I was like, but I would always kind of go back to, it's me. Like, I don't have enough faith or like, I'm not, like, I'm not understanding something See, bigger. Me, yes, like that sounds like Catholic guilt, even though you're going to a yes, Protestant church. it probably is Catholic guilt. So it's like, it was like, I have all these questions and hangups, but like, uh, but like, it's probably my lack of something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I, I kind of got around it. And then when I was in Korea, um, 
which was an extremely difficult year for me psychologically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll go into I that just too. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. um, I just <laughs> didn't really. I didn't really feel like going to church. I didn't really feel like I had a place there. I like, it was just weird for me to keep going when like there's a lot of the things that I was thinking about were all kind of like cracking apart, you know, like I had to rethink so many things and Mm -hmm. um, I didn't find that church was, you know, I went sometimes because I was like, I have to go, you know, I should go, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like, this is this is really doing something for me right now um and so when I came back actually I almost didn't go to seminary um I had a lot I was questioning a lot at that point but um I came back and I talked to my pastor at the time who was like you know I think you should just keep going go (laughs) in like go in and like just adjust back to being in America that was Uh a very like big experience for you sure and so that's what I ended up doing um, and then when I moved to Minnesota, there was also, um, I think a big shift because I had like that community, like the Korean American church community, especially in New Jersey. Uh-huh. It's like, it's a huge community. Yeah. It's hard to be a Korean American in New Jersey and either not go to church or like not be like around a lot of people and be friends with a lot of people right, and yeah. go to church and not just go to church. They're like really into it. Well, you got to participate in all the things. Yeah, there's youth group and all the things. Um, and so um, when I went to Minnesota and that, I think that like separation uh-huh. also was... You didn't find like another church, a Korean American church to no, go to? No, no. Um, I went to some churches, but they weren't <laughs> Korean American. And they just like, I didn't have like being away from the community. I know, I mean, I don't want to say it was a cult, but... There were aspects of it that felt like when I was out, I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That I can imagine when people leave those types of communities and they're like move far away and no longer part of it. Uh They look back and they're like, whoa. When they get a little time and space and they're Yeah, they're just like, that was extreme um, in a lot of ways. Uh And that is where... I am now where it's like when I went to Minnesota, I was like, oh, like that was, that was an intense experience and a rather extreme. Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> now like looking back sometimes I'm like, oh, damn, like that was me. Oh, damn. Like that was me. I was like proselytizing people. I was, I was, oh, sure. I was if like, if you went on a mission, that's like it. the yeah. point, right? Yes. Is to proselytize, yes, be a little yes. evangelical. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you, what is how do you define your relationship with Jesus and God <laughs> now? Is now, that too much of a deep question? That's, no, that's totally fine. <clears throat> I would say um, I take a more agnostic stance. Oh yeah. Yeah, and not I know there's different ways to define agnosticism, but more of a um, I'm not discounting right anything or a higher power or mm-hmm. the you know it's like that's but. Um, I also don't feel the need to be defining my life or other people's life around that. Mm. Um, and I take more of a, like a unknowing, um, and like a conscious unknowing mm-hmm. and I'm good with that. Okay. Yeah. So you grew up in and around Koreans, uh, in New yep, Jersey, in New Jersey. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you went to Rutgers where you mm-hmm. obviously immersed yourself quite heavily in, uh, if not Korean culture, then Korean Christian culture. Definitely. Definitely. And then what was the impetus for you to go to Korea? Um, well, number one was to search, do the birth search. Uh-huh. Um, so you were, you were curious about that. Yes. I was always, I mean, I can't even remember like, okay, honestly, just a little caveat. Sometimes when we're doing the studies, like, there's questions like, have you ever thought about your birth family? Uh-huh. I swear to God, people are like, no, never. And I'm like, never. Like, I, that's why I know. <laughs> I know that that is a legitimate oh, answer. Oh, man. But sometimes I'm like, and especially when they're adults, right? I'm so like, even as like a Korean adopted, not as a psychologist, but as a Korean adopted, you're, Korean like, adopted, you're a fucking liar. No, I'm not thinking <laughs> you're a fucking liar. But I think that must have been a lot of, there must, I mean, for me, uh-huh. it would have taken a lot of effort to have never thought about this. It just seems natural that one would, to question. at some point, I'm not saying you delve down a deep hole, you thought about it. Like, you thought, like... You looked in the mirror and said, I wonder if I look like anybody <laughs> Yeah, or else. like, you just, you have thought about it at uh-huh. some point. And so it is always shocking when people are like, I have never thought about it. For me, it seems like... That would have taken a lot of layers uh-huh. for me to put up, a lot of defenses, a lot of like, there was been, I had to have actively been like, I will never, ever think about that. Um, it just would have been a natural thing to be like, I had another mother. <laughs> but that was, okay. That. So as so, in a Korean adoptee, you unpack that that way. But as a psychologist, you're like, oh, that's an honest answer. As a psychologist, I would say that is an authentic and legitimate answer. Uh huh. You like you understand that people haven't yes, thought about that. Yes, that they, they never have thought about that. Right. Oh yeah, I believe that definitely. Uh huh. Um, yeah. But do you think that? Ta- do you, so your initial answer, uh, your reaction is that that must have taken some active denial. Do you believe that as a psychologist as well? Um. Or even subconscious denial. I think yes, yes. Um, is a part, an integral part of a person. And it would be, I mean, not, this might be a poor analogy, but it's like, oh my, I didn't know, notice that like you were Korean or like, I didn't know. It's like, I would have had to have put many layers, right? For uh-huh. me to be able to make that statement about someone. And like, so to think like as someone who's adopted and not just adopted, doesn't look anything like the rest of my family, right? Right, yeah. And to have grown up and been like, I never thought about my birth family. I just never, that mm. thought has never crossed my mind. Seems to me like an unnatural thing. Uh-huh. Versus just being like, I have at some point, you know, that, that a thought has crossed my mind about yeah. <laughs> that birth family, right? Um, or I think sometimes maybe um, people are interpreting the question as like, have you thought about it in a certain way? Do you know what I mean? Like, have you thought about it in terms of like all the time, or like really went into oh, it, yeah, et cetera, yeah, right. versus like, I've never thought about <clears> that. <throat> mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't remember when I first started thinking about um, like more of a just searching, but actively Well, when did searching. you start unpacking adoption issues? You said you went to, you chose to go to hold camp. Yeah. Um, 
God, unpack. Okay, unpacking adoption issues. Or, or like, how did you did you discuss it with your family at all? Did you talk with your parents about it? Did they make their file your file open to you? Yeah, my file was available? open to me, but um, it has very little information. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, I knew where it was located in my parents' bedroom. Uh huh. Um, and. I think did you ever get curious enough to go look? Yeah, I did look in. I like definitely remember myself looking at the file, uh-huh. and they would be like, "Have you seen these files? Like random shit that I would like cling to." Do you know it's like baby cooed and smiled, and I was like, "That's me!" Like <laughs> I was that baby smiling, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, or like my hiding way or something. You uh-huh. know, them like pouring over these little details. They're actually very insignificant, um, the grand scheme of things. But I'm like. Oh, this is well, something I have. I don't think they're insignificant you know? to you, obviously. No, not to me. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's like just little details of an infant at six months old. Uh-huh. But for me, it was like evidence that I existed then. Sure, and yeah. Evidence that um, there was a me that someone, who, this anonymous writer, right, this doctor, like was there with me. Was it a fear time. of yours that you didn't exist prior to your adoption? I don't think I ever explicitly had that fear, though I do think that um, it was just an unknown yeah. and a void, right? I was never like, did I exist then? It's like, I knew I existed, right. but like that there was a void uh-huh. um, and it was just blank. And then it was like able to be filled in a little bit. Mm. This one part was like, oh, there I am. Yeah. Like right there. And this is someone that was with me. Yeah. Um, whereas before that, it's like, I don't know anyone who was with me during that time. Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. I started in America. I started at JFK airport. That's when my narrative starts. Right. I get a new birth certificate. I get a new name. I get everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was this whole, I mean, for me, it was only like eight months. For some people, it's like they come here. Well, I was three months years. old. Yeah. I mean, oh, Less and yep. then more, so yeah, right. Sure. And so there's this this void, um, yep, in your mind about it. But um, what was I talking about? This is so funny because I was thinking like, no way I can fill up this time. But actually, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's much easier <laughs> than people out, think. I'm very rambling. <laughs> no, no, no. This no, is very coherent. Rambling, this is coherent. But like, I'm just like, oh, blah blah blah. Trust me, this is more coherent than Ask some of my episodes. <laughs> People, the listeners for the show, if you're new to the show and you want to backlog and listen to older episodes, it is not going to be this coherent all the time. Um, all right. So so you, you were open to seeing, your parents were open and yes, available yes, to yes. the file. So then I started thinking about it, but I feel like, um, I mean, it's obviously like the different developmental levels, uh-huh. you know, like understanding that as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, um, I would say like. My later teenage, early young adult years, I really started wondering, um, like, do I have family back there? Could I find them? Could I contact them? Um, and then I actually <coughs> at Hold Camp talked to some people. Yeah. And as when I was a counselor, and some people talked about how you have to. Other counselors? Other counselors were like, you need to go. Because what I did in college, my junior year, I emailed Holt. And I was mm. like, do you know you have to like pay for your file? I paid for it. I paid my money, like a couple hundred dollars. Did you? I feel like I didn't pay for shit. Yeah, and you do have to pay for it to this day. There's actually like this um, somewhat upset blog post about like, why do we have to pay for our files? I didn't pay for anything. Would um, I have gotten more if I paid for 
Sorry, like, ten more dollars. I should have like slipped to I'll twenty. Oh, someone's address. Um, <laughs> no, and then uh, so I didn't really get anything. They were like, "Oh, we have. There's no way to contact your family. We have nothing." But then when I went to Holt Camp, people were like, "That's not true." Like Holt, they're like such liars. You have to actually go in person. And ask to see your file. Yeah, I did that. So that's what I thought I needed to do. Uh-huh. That's why so I went did to you Korea. Do that? So I did that's that. why you went to Korea. That's why I went to Korea. So I went to Korea. I rolled up on Holt's office. You I were didn't like, make an hey, appointment. Didn't make I an want appointment. My shit. Right? And I also was super naive. I didn't know that it was gonna be like such an issue. Like I don't know. I just thought I could roll up and be like, hey, I'm looking for my birth family. But they, I mean, they get Here's that all. File. I'm sure they get that all the time. Here's your file. No, I'm sure. Yeah, of course I get that all the time. Um, though I feel like I've, I mean, honestly, I had a really negative experience with HALT. I'm very anti-HALT as an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are some good people who work for HALT. Mm-hmm. But as an organization, um, not just my own personal experience, but so many other experiences, mm-hmm. it's just been shady. It's shady and, um, like, people have been lied to, to their faces. My, I'm one included. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, now I'm 35. I was 24 at that time. And, like, the 35-year-old me feels bad for the 24-year-old me who had to go through that. Mm-hmm. And so... In what like, ways? Like, what would you tell her? Um... Well, I just, I feel like I was very naive at how difficult it was going to be. So when I went, um, my social worker was, I mean, one of the first questions she asked me was, why are you searching? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I thought I told you I was looking for my birth family. And she's like, no, no, no. Why? Um, because adoptees have many reasons that they want to search and we want to, we want to know your reason. Uh-huh. And now I'm like, that's such bullshit. Like... I do not, and I ended up coming up with some reason. I was like, uh, health information. You know, I just like, I needed some legitimizing That's a good reason, reason though. I was like, ah, uh, health information, maybe medical sure. information. Yeah. But it was, now I'm like, I do not need a reason. I don't need to tell you like mm. why my, uh, this, this is what I want to do. And it was like, I needed to first just prove myself, right? Mm. And so after I did that, I was told that um, they had, um, no information they can give me. And this is like the line that I've been getting all the time. Yeah. I think Holt would say the same thing that they're, <clears throat> they're not friends with me either. I mean, I don't think we have a good relationship. Okay. Um, and that's when I started actively searching. Um, I went back, but not through Holt Avenue. So, well, right? okay. This so. is what happened. <laughs> Such a, so that was the first time I went to Holt and uh-huh. it was like really very traumatic. Honestly, the social worker was like, um, your parents, like they came in and they filled out the forms mm-hmm. and, um, your birth parents, you're my birth parents. And so they would have known, there's not like, a, they wouldn't have known to where to look for you. They would have come back if they wanted to look for you and they have never been back. That's what she said That's to you? That's what she said to me. Wow. And it was devastating. That matter I mean, of fact like that? It maybe was, I mean, it's, I want to be as like gracious as possible that maybe that's what the 24-year-old heard uh-huh. and that maybe it was more nuanced and softer. But that's what you interpreted. That's how I interpreted it. Uh-huh. Um, and it was really devastating. Sure. Yeah, um, I mean, that, like, to hear something like that would yeah, be Yeah, like, I, like, flew yeah. to, like, Korea and I was like, oh, I'm going to try this search. And I was like, holy shit, like, that was really difficult. Um, 
And then they were like, but what we could do is help you get on this TV show. Um, and then maybe, but they, like, but they could only get me on for like five minutes during Chuseok. Uh-huh. Um, so I went on the TV show. Did you? Yeah. Atumadang. Yeah. Didn't know a lick of Korean. Well, not like I knew like basic Korean, uh-huh. but my friend saw the TV show and said it was really funny because <laughs> there was this lag. <laughs> what? Yeah. He said it was super funny because there was this lag where they would ask me a question, uh-huh. but then they would pan to my face, which was totally blank because they didn't translate the question. So it'd be like, what's your name? And they'll pan to me and I'm like, and finally, they would translate it, right? And then be like, oh, oh my name is something, something. But for there's a couple seconds where I'm just like a blank face. Where I'm right, just yeah, yeah. It's around. like when you watch CNN and there's like a lag. Yeah, so they're just like, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> um, but so I, I went on the TV show for like five minutes during the holidays. Um, but then I also went back to to Holt. Okay, after, um, the, after the TV show. Yes, I actually went back and... How long after the TV show did you go back to Holt? I'm I'm trying to remember the timeline now, but I went back when my social worker who's in charge of my file was on vacation. Oh, okay. Did you know she was on vacation? I knew she was on vacation. Okay, I'm going to just be straight up. I knew she was on vacation. She went back specifically because she was on vacation. Yes. Okay. To see if I can get more information. And you know what? I got a ton more information. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there was like a sub. (laughs) <laughs> a sub-social worker. Yes, a sub-social worker who was super nice uh-huh. and very kind and very compassionate. Um, and she was just giving, she gave me a ton of information. So I had to, and you know, I, I think like up until this point, like I'm not like a, a like rule breaker, devious, like think person in general, but I did think like, should I break into halt? Like, if I knock this woman down, really? will someone catch me? Yes. That's how desperate you get. It's like, they have my file, which is clearly a big file. And they're like, there's no information that we can give you. Uh-huh. But they have a ton of information. Anyway, so the second woman was like, oh, um, you're the fourth daughter. You were born a... Yes. Like, mm. your parents' ages. I got my parents' ages. Mm-hmm. I got their blood types. I got the hospital I was born at. My sister's ages. Like... Wow. A ton of information. That's so she's a lot just of information. telling me all this information, sure. right? Writing it down. Um, she didn't tell me any uh, like identifying information, though. Okay. She knew she wasn't supposed to tell me that. And this is what happened. This sounds so like ridiculous. This is what happened. She was reading this, and at some point she asked me, Have you been here before? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> and she's like, Wait one second, I need to check on something. So she takes my file with her, uh-huh. goes out talks to whoever and she comes back and she's like i'm so sorry i told you way too much information this was the intake form and i'm not supposed to tell you all this information Uh and then our meeting was over and since then when i email halt and i'm like hey and sometimes i sometimes i'm sure they hate me i'll email them research i'm like you know what research shows that like (laughs) this is not a good strategy for you guys to be withholding information like identifying information like this um they have told me time and again, they're like, you don't have, we don't think your birth parents' names are, are real. And they have searched with those names and they mm-hmm. can't come up with anyone. There's, n- but they still won't give me those names. Um, and they, they say things like, you have gotten more, more than enough information, or like, you have gotten more information than you should have. We have no information to give you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, my last contact with them. Uh huh. Every few years, I'll email them 
I'll just be like, yeah. hey, <laughs> like <laughs> still, still wondering if you could give me more information. I mean, at this point, I have such little credibility in what they're telling me. Uh-huh. Um, particularly since the first time I went, there was no mention of any system. There was no mention they had all the information. Right, yeah, yeah. And then the second time it was like, here's a ton of information that you weren't supposed to have. Hmm. Um, and so I just, I have no, no, there's not a lot of trust between us. Um, mm-hmm. and since then I, um, I tried searching like in other ways, but, um, that's, I haven't real. I kind of at one point just stopped. Like it was just too much for me. I was like, just can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. I just need to stop. And so I haven't really gone back to it actively. Mm-hmm. So yeah. where would you say, what would, what would it take to restore that relationship? Do you think? With Holt. What would they have to do? Um, I don't know if there... I mean, there there was this moment, and actually it was Steve Cobb. Um, mm-hmm. I, like, told him all the stuff that happened to me, and he personally apologized. He's like, I just want to apologize to you for everything. And it was actually very moving. Like, I was, like, yeah. crying. It was, it was a very What do you moving, say? He just apologized. He just was like, I want to personally apologize for that terrible experience you had yeah and like that shouldn't have happened and uh, you know i'm sorry Uh that happened and it was over the phone um and i was just like started crying i was just like oh my god like that was actually very healing for me to hear Mm -hmm. that but i don't think steve Cobb represents halt like i still like i'm like steve and i are good like thank you and still halt i'm like i just i mean maybe you start giving out like our information when we ask and like not making us go jump through hoops to get information or being honest about what information that they have. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, I just thought it was like, that was my story and that was, and it was bad. Mm-hmm. But then I've, I've talked to other adoptees who have tried to get information from Holt and they haven't heard anything for like months, like six months, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. and there's always a struggle. And then it's like, we have nothing for you. And it's like, you know, the more stories I hear, the more I'm just like, I don't feel like that organization is an ally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel supported as an adult adoptee. I don't, um, I don't advocate for them as a researcher, as someone working in this community, with talking to adoptive parents. I don't advocate going through Holt. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a negative experience with them. Um, and I know they believe they tried to help me as much as possible, mm-hmm. but I did not feel that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to uh, negate your experience or other yeah, people yeah. who have had experiences like that or anything like that. But I mm-hmm. am going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to be – I don't want to weigh in on the pro-adoption, anti-adoption thing or, or No, I don't even think that's helpful. Hold. I right. don't, I'm not anti-adoption. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But I will I, – so I'm, I'm just going to play a little yeah. devil's advocate and say like, okay, there are, there, there are policies of closed adoptions. Mm-hmm. There's limited amounts of information that they can yeah. give out. Uh, would you rather them – just say, look, this is a closed adoption. Mm-hmm. We are limited by law or whatever uh, with the amount of information that we are allowed to give you. Yes, and do you know what? When they first told instead me of that, lying to you, instead of lying to me, do you know what? When they first told me that, I even though it was done in a way that I felt was very. I mean, now I'm just like that was really messed up. But um, when I first heard that, I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. Right, I understood that. Right. But then, like, all the shadiness that happened afterwards, mm-hmm. I didn't even go into some of the details. At one point, 
like I had people calling into Holt to ask about my case and etc. And at one point, my social worker was like, oh, like, I can't, like, you can't have people calling in here. Like, there's like, I just want to close your file forever. Right. And I was mm. like, what? What's that even mean? Yeah, yeah. And that scared me. And so then I was like, okay, I'm not going to keep bothering you or searching. Um, and so there's like stuff like that. Yeah. Everything that happened afterwards that I'm like, there is no trust here. Like, mm. I don't know like, the, right. what's going on. Um, and so I think if there was some like actual transparency about the situation. Right. Yeah. Um, and also the whole situation, if it was handled in a more compassionate manner mm-hmm. than the way I felt it has been and has continued to be handled. Yeah. Um, maybe it would be different. But now I'm just like, that, is, that was damaging. Sure. Yeah, yeah. of course. All right. So I, I don't want to uh, cut off your, your story and stuff oh, like no, that. No, but no, I do want to get into uh, some of the research that you're doing. Yes, yes. At BC. Yes, definitely. So um, two, there's three projects I'm working on, but just two that I'm going to speak about. One is um, Amy Ginther, who is a professor at um, UC Santa Cruz. We are doing a workshop uh-huh. um, for Korean, oh, no, not even Korean, it's mostly Korean, but um, transracial adopted adults. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be April 30th in New York and then May 15th in LA. And this is, um, this is really Amy's workshop, actually, that she's done in Korea with mm-hmm. um, Korean adoptees. And then we met sometime last year to talk about collaborating on something. How did something. you guys meet? We actually met through mutual uh, like colleague. Okay. Um, so Amy was talking about her project, and then she was like, "Oh, you should really meet um, this professor at Boston College. It sounds like you guys have a lot of intersecting interests." Uh-huh. So my interest is in interventions, um, and particularly for um, transracial adoptees. What kind of interventions? So I, for my dissertation, I did a writing intervention, uh-huh. um, and it was the expressive writing intervention. You come in and um, you just you have a topic and you just free write, mm-hmm. and so it's like this idea of creating a narrative, but also like being able to just write your thoughts and feelings about something. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's where I was kind of in like this, like thinking about interventions and also thinking more creatively. So I'm a, I'm a therapist by training, uh-huh. um, and. I'm very, like, I always think about, like, healing and different ways of healing. And I've been through different types of therapy myself. Uh-huh. Um, and I think for me, um, like, talking about it, like, you can talk, talk, talk about your problems. It got to a point where it's, I just, I kept talking about it and I wasn't feeling wasn't better. Enough. It wasn't enough. Yeah. And so I was trying to think of, like, maybe alternative ways of healing or alternative therapies. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I tried more like mindfulness or somatic mm-hmm. type of therapies, and that was much more helpful for me. Sure. And um, so I was thinking along those lines, and I met with Amy, and then it's like when we met, it was like, oh my, we were on the same page. It was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, definitely. Like, um, so she was telling me about these workshops she was doing and how she wants to actually um, try these out in terms of a research sense, you know, actually like mm-hmm. get participants and sure. like, experience this. And it's, um, it's, uh, I don't, it's an archetypal journey. That's technically what it's called, but it's like a 
more of a mind, body, voice sort of workshop. Right, yeah. Um, really fostering empowerment. Cool. And so we are doing that. Um, and then I'm also writing up data from that writing intervention, uh-huh. um, particularly at the birth, family, and culture condition. So there are some people who did that writing intervention that I just need to apologize to who <laughs> were um, my control condition. Uh-huh. So they, they're probably like, why was I recruited for as like a Korean adoptee and now she wants me to write about technology? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I totally get that. And they wrote about that in their writing. They're like, I'm not really sure what I, what we're doing here. Or like, is this supposed to make me feel better? Um, so yeah. I am not getting any therapy out of this. <laughs> so it was like their technology and then um, my my control condition and then my quote-unquote experimental condition sure, was yeah. about um, birth, family, and culture. Uh-huh. And so I am um, writing that up right now. Actually, it's like we're really pushed trying to, trying to really get that going. Cool. Yeah. All right, so the research now. What what yeah. are your early findings? Um, are you are you at liberty to say? Yeah, I I, I think so. So, um, do you know before this, I was doing more um, conversations, family conversations. Uh-huh. So that was the study I did before, and one of those big findings from that study, just so people don't have to read it, um, is that like parents and the adolescents were report- so first we had surveys about cultural socialization uh-huh. and then we had them do actual family conversations mm-hmm. videotaped um and that big finding was like parents and um adolescents they s- report differently in terms of um whether or not cultural socialization is going on parents mm. slightly over report yeah yeah um, yeah and the adolescents actually they matched up with our coding of the family conversations. So at least for our study, mean? they were accurately reporting how much was actually happening. Uh-huh. Um, and a other big thing was that like for the parents, they weren't trying to deceive anyone. They're not deliberately over-reporting. Mm-hmm. If you actually looked at the conversations, it would be something like a child would be like, "Oh, like we don't talk about." that and then mom would be like yeah we went to that Korean restaurant like and then they're like yeah but we actually have like never talked about it like we've never had a conversation about Mm. it and so there was this discrepancy that was happening over and over again um and then in the writing intervention um so even though the prompt was um to write about your thoughts and feelings about birth family and culture people wrote about everything related to adoption, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, the bulk of it was um, just around identity. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And so we did a qualitative analysis of the writing. So okay. there was a hundred pages, single spaced of writing. Jesus. Um, yes. <laughs> that, well, um, how do you analyze coders... that? Like qualitatively, do you do like a word cloud or no, something? No, like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, no, it took a really long time of. Do you pick um, out certain language? Themes. That's a common theme. So yeah, we look at themes. We, um, so it's like we read through it uh-huh. and then we go through different stages. We are using something called grounded analysis. So we go through different, um, stages for uh-huh. the themes um and what then we try to distill it down to like the big themes these are the big themes that emerge from the data uh-huh um go over that a little bit of the process of doing that no of the themes that sh- shook out oh, the themes the big theme is um this this idea of search and then in parentheses i want to write and resolution um mm. for some sort of connection or belonging 
Okay. And um, I really want to emphasize, especially with this paper, some things I feel like are maybe not emphasized of this, that this is, I, I view transracial adoptive identity as more like an intersectionality approach. And so it's like, you can't add things together. What psychology wants to do is like, let's look at like their white identity and their Korean identity and their adopted identity and like try to add it together. Uh-huh. Whereas like, it, that doesn't work. It's like, it's all intersecting with each other to make me the like Korean adopted person. Uh-huh. Um, and I would never think about my identity in terms of like, this is my white upbringing, this is my, etc. Um, this goes full circle, though, back to what we talked about when we first started this conversation, which is the different masks that you wear. Yes, it's different masks you wear. And, and that is, uh, honestly, you're I'm still very, the same person. You're still the same person. And so, um, in, in underneath that idea of search and resolution for connection, we have dif- four different sub-themes. Uh-huh. Um, and the one that is probably, I mean, one is like adoptive family, <clears throat> another is genetic connection, and the other is... Um, cultural connection the one that is very interesting is the one around self mm-hmm. and that is what we were talking about in the beginning yeah this idea of like searching for self uh-huh. um one of the things that we came out of that self one was this idea of hiding or pretending or acting um and feeling like you need to perform mm. in some way mm-hmm. and how it's exhausting to do that yeah, and, but it's also sure. um, really hard to be authentic, too. Mm. Um, and so I'm thinking of those four as all containing, maybe we call them contradictions. So, mm. for example, like adoptive family, one of the big contradictions for some participants is being loved and loving family members who are explicitly racist and objectify you. That's mm. a contradiction. Like that, it's very cognitively dissonant, but it's a lived reality for sure. some transracial adoptees, right? Or like, um, like genetic connection is like that contradiction of like searching for, in my case, searching for a birth mother who thought that the best life she could give me is one apart, uh-huh. right? It's like this very difficult thing to sit with, right? Um, and so trying to tease those out. So is that 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 those are the fine? Where can people find that? body of work um is oh it coming okay. out soon it is um it it took a, a really long <laughs> time um i'm slow as well um in my defense i was going through a lot of <laughs> transitions in the past couple of years uh-huh. but um honestly i do feel that like it like hovers over me you know like i need to get this out like i need to get this paper published uh-huh. um but I, I'm sure my advisor would also say this. I could be much faster in um, my productivity. Um, but that hopefully within the next year, it okay. will come out somewhere. And um, I will post it okay. on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. So then separately, yeah. you have the workshops that you're doing with Amy. Yeah, separately we're doing those workshops. And so you're doing only the one in New York and L.A. right now. Yes. But is that that's like a prelude to other workshops in the Possibly. future? Possibly. Um, yes, we're going to um, see how those work. We're going to see if we can tweak those. Uh-huh. Um, we're just going to wait and see for that. But possibly into something like a um, study. bigger. Yeah, a, a, a bigger study if you want to think of it that way, but, um, for right now, we're just, we're just going to see how it goes. Okay. Yeah. Is it just me? Okay. So this is, I don't know if I'm, yeah, no, no, no. this is just me or not. Yeah. 
because uh, the podcast is fairly new. The show yeah. is fairly new. And I feel like since I've been publishing it, I'm getting more involved again with the adopted community than I uh, have in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if it's because we live in a world now that we didn't 10 years ago with a lot of new media with... Uh, it, it used to be called Web 2.0, but <laughs> I think that's an outdated term now. But that there's <clears throat> more projects going on by adoptees mm-hmm. in, uh, creatively mm-hmm. in terms of writing, oh music, yeah. podcasts. But also I'm seeing a lot more, uh, I feel like on the adoptee groups on Facebook at least, a lot more uh, students of psychology and then wanting yes. exploring that avenue mm-hmm. is that just me or is it like that's no, actually no, happening that's actually happening <laughs> so i'm not being paranoid no you're not being paranoid um i would say the same thing i feel like every time like i go to a facebook group on adoption there's like someone doing their study yeah. right please participate, please participate in, this study. in this survey or something <laughs> yeah. right um and you know that's why like i i i take that burden on when i like so doing that writing intervention um that's like my, that's, I feel that's my burden. Like mm-hmm. I need, and I think this is why I've been so slow is that I didn't want to do a survey and throw the results out there and have it con- like just be another paper. Like I seriously have been like thinking about like, what am I saying? Like, what is this, How is this going to help people? Like I, mm-hmm. I need this to actually help people. I don't want to just be like, now we know this about them. Great. Um, but isn't that helpful in and of itself? That is. Um, Just having as, that knowledge? Yes, it is if it's done well. Honestly, I think if it's not done well, it's it's unhelpful. So or it could be damaging. It could, or it could be damaging. So like if you cre- just go out and create a survey on uh-huh. Qualtrics and you don't really think it through, you're taking people as participants uh-huh. who could maybe do something. Like, there's like only so many sur- studies you can do, right? Before you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Sure. Um, so like just being really intentional about the setup and like what questions are you asking? What do you like, like how, and also like there's a body of research on this already. Right. And yes, there's always more studies that are coming up from students. And I, I encourage people to do that, to do those surveys and do those studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very pro-research in this area, but also I would encourage those students, uh, like, you know, more so than even I was, to be really um, knowledgeable of the research that's already out there and sure. build, right? It's like, we want to build upon this. Yeah, yeah. Versus like, oh, this Do is the another... Do same research over Yeah, again. it's like, adoptees feel awkward <laughs> if they're like the only <laughs> Asian person. It's like, yes, they do. Um <clears throat> And so that was my big fear was with this study. I'm like, am I just not contributing? You know, it's like I'm not contributing anything substantial. I'm just Mm. like throwing another thing up there. No, I mean, it's certainly I think your approach to that study, having read the draft of it that you sent me, I didn't Mm -hmm. steal it online. (laughs) (laughs) It's not online. Um, was I think it was an interesting approach to it, the, mm. like the the free writing, because it's not like survey questions, yes. as far as I understood. Yes, the and I, so it was the whole study is actually a very long survey, and then they did the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now we have not done any much with the actual survey data, but I wanted it, initially it was just going to be a writing study because I have done uh, surveys where I just feel so frustrated because it's like. I'm happy I'm a Korean adoptee, one to five. Like, I'm like, what? Like, what does this even mean? Well, and also... Like, what do you mean by this? I, know, I don't know about you, but I 
I, I have always struggled with standardized tests and mm-hmm. especially multiple choice tests and very especially true and false statements yes. because I live in a world of gray and yes, in between. Yes, of course, yeah. And so it's like, well, it's not true, but it's not false either. Mm-hmm. And so when I, especially with those kinds of surveys where it's like, oh, were you happy as an adoptee, scale of yeah. one to five or something like that? It's like, well, how much is that a leading question or is that introduced bias into it versus a free form essay? You can explain your answer yes. or dissect it a little bit further. I know. And and I don't know if that's harder on the evaluator or not, but it, it seems is. fairer to me. It, it No, I, I'm i on the same plane of thought where it's like it is in terms of coding because otherwise, you know what we could do? Like we could just throw into SPSS and sure. we can get results out, right? right and it's yeah. like it's fast. And, um, and it's standardized. It's very standardized, clean. It's clean. And the funny thing is, like, I always get people, whenever I present, they're like, do you feel like you're being too subjective because you're just coding this, like, all these words and you could just do whatever you want? And I'm like, as if if I created 10 questions and had them, like, only like constrain people, that that mm-hmm. is not subjective. Like, sure. that's my hand all over it. Right. Like, you're actually constrained by only these things that I want you to answer. Right. And, like, yeah. hopefully this is, like, limiting some of the whatever I want the study to be about uh-huh. or what I'm predicting it to be about. Um, and, of course, it's subjective. But the other one is, too. We're mm-hmm. all subjective, right? It's like, of course, I think it just should be a given. Um, it's that myth that a survey can be objective, mm-hmm. um, that it was not created by somebody. <laughs> That's rather ridiculous. But, I mean, I've made a lot of, um, I don't know if I'm calling them mistakes, but mistakes in, my, in the um, study, the survey, and when I look back, there's some some things that I'm like, oh, I would if I did that different, I would totally do it differently. Oh, I yeah. think um, my premise of so it's an expressive writing intervention. I was hoping that the free write would make people better, mm-hmm. feel better, um, and it didn't necessarily do that. It's oh, like yeah. people didn't, and like, but then when I think about it, it's like this um, push in psychology and in, in medicine as well is be like we want people to be happy, right? Uh-huh. And it's like, is happiness always like the goal? It's like, yeah, for a lot of people, the outcome, right? Like, writing about birth, family, and culture, would that make me happier? I don't think so. I mean, so. isn't Not that the basis right? of like all marketing and advertising? Yeah, it's and like you all, could be happier. What will make you This is happier. gonna make you happier. I mean, like, yes. isn't that, you know, a primary driver behind therapy? It's like, yes. I'm gonna be happier if I do this. Like, okay, so, yes, and I would want to say, like, as a therapist, that I've tried to adjust that uh-huh. and say, like, way? I want people to be more authentic oh. or I want them to feel a greater level of acceptance mm. versus unhappiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I was to do that writing study now, I would have just shifted my mindset around it. Um, so you're going to repeat the study with that? No, one? no, I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> um, but... I, I would have changed it. I think I kind of fell into some traps mm. um, of like, this is the way we do it. This is the way I should do it. Uh-huh. Versus now in retrospect, I'm like, you know what? I think authenticity and acceptance is a much, uh, a goal that I can get behind. Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're like, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. I right. think it totally makes sense. It okay. totally makes sense. Okay. Uh, I'm just, I'm smelling the, the tacos right now. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. There's um, my crock pot. Okay. So I'm going to ask you one last question. Yeah. Maybe yeah. two last questions. Okay. 
uh, depending on how the first one goes. Oh, okay. Uh, and this is a yes or no answer. So if you have it, then there's no more question on this end. Oh my gosh. Okay. You're, I'm being constrained. True, <clears throat> you're false. being constrained. True or false. Yes. No. Go ahead. Yes or no. Uh, did you read that article on courts regarding, so, you know, Conan O'Brien and Stephen Yeun went to Korea recently. Yes, I do. I saw the, um, the JYP video. Did you read the courts article regarding, uh, specifically that visit with Conan and Steve Yeun to Korea? Mm-mm. And then, um, it was calling into question, or maybe not calling into question, but saying how it, everything in that, uh, project i don't know how to define it uh was like conan in korea and like how crazy conan is and stuff mm-hmm. like that and it was like steve yun was kind of a side character but mm. it was also very equal in the fact is like where does steve yun really fit in korea because he falls into this korean american quandary where he's like uh well koreans don't see him as korean do americans see him as american he's korean american mm-hmm. it was like separate identity and then like that's almost as prominent and awkward as Conan is awkward just in general. <laughs> uh-huh. so, I did not read that article, no. So you should read that article. Okay. Second question. Yes. Notwithstanding, uh, did you watch the movie Inside Out? Um, yes, I did. What, did you, what were your thoughts? Loved it. Why? Okay, Inside Out. Inside Out. Loved it. Well, because we were talking about how advertising and people think about psychiatry was like, well, this will make me happier. It was like everybody wants to be happier. That's not necessarily... What makes you you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what that movie was getting at yes. psychologically. Yes. Uh, so I just want to hear your, your um, thoughts I on it. I love that movie. And, um, you know, I it's based off a lot of research, Ekman's research. Right, yeah. um, And I think it's really well done. And I think a great message, like the idea that we need all of those emotions and mm-hmm. all those emotions are legitimate and valid. I mean, I think, like many, I rail against the idea of, the angry adoptee or the happy adoptee. And I was like, where are all the happy adoptees? And it's like, I'm happy. Like, not all the time. I'm also really angry sometimes. Sure. Like, like the idea that, um, I guess, like, you can't be, the fullness of your humanity is is being questioned. Like, to mm. be, like, you should, like, that, those tropes of, like, the angry black woman. It's like, the f- that person can't be fully human um, because we're constrained under this box, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, so I need to always be happy. Um, whereas, like, to be a full, full human being, you have to feel all of those feelings. Um, and so, I think I I like that movie. I think the message was great. Excellent. <laughs> I feel validated. <laughs> Do you feel validated? Why? Because people were like, I can't believe you like the movie? Uh, I don't think I ever get that, but I get uh, some feedback that, you know, it's a kid's movie. It's like, you know, like Pixar movies. It's a movies. kid's I'm movie, like, but, but yeah, but a bunch of kid's movies are like It's a kid's movie, like but with messages. like a great complex message yes. that addresses uh, and validates um, that A, children have feelings and it's okay to yeah. feel things that are not just happiness. Yes. And, uh, like, I really like that message that, like, she actually couldn't feel happy until she cried. Yeah. And that's true. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't feel authentically happy. What's well, cathartic. Like, yeah, unless you, like, let your also... Because to suppress that 
feeling of sadness takes uh-huh. a lot out of you. Just you know? stuff it down. Yeah, stuff it down. <laughs> That's that not healthy not emotionally. Healthy. And it takes a lot out of you. And so being able to let yourself have that expression. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do it in a healthy way. Yes, yes. I mean, for some people, it's like trying to learn to contain emotions, right? It's like mm-hmm. too much. Sure. So you contain it. Whereas for others, it's suppression. And so you have to be able to, in a healthy way, learn how to express those emotions. And to find that balance. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, those people who make fun of you are losers. (laughs) That's my last thing. Yes. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Excellent. But they, maybe they need a good cry. Oh. You ever think about that? So uh, I want to hear your diagnosis on this really quickly. Okay. Okay. I typically... (laughs) Am I diagnosing you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is going to be free diagnosis for me. All right. (laughs) I want free therapy. Okay. Um, So I don't usually cry uh, in like real life. Right? So if somebody like somebody dies or anything like that. What do you mean by in real life? Like do you cry in... Altering. I cry in fake life. Okay. No. I, I, <laughs> the only time like I find myself getting emotional about something, uh, and wispy or weepy wispy. or teary. Okay. And, like tears and salt and salt, tea water yeah, leaves yeah. my eyes. Uh, usually is uh, with movies. Oh, so that's your outlet to cry. That's my outlet. To feel. Uh-huh. To feel. Well, no, I mean, I have feelings. Yeah, but the but expression that's like, of those feelings. That's the outlet. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay, for, this is a good example, right? Um, <clears throat> so 9-11 happened. I was in high school. Yeah. Didn't cry at all. Felt yeah. a lot of feelings. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you know when I cried about 9-11? You saw a sad movie? I watched The Iron Giant when The Iron Giant sacrifices himself. Oh, my God. Okay. And then gets blown across the earth mm-hmm. into different pieces. I cried mm. very deeply. Mm-hmm. Went through like half a box of tissues. Mm-hmm. But I recognized at the time that it was not about the movie. <laughs> yes. You're like, this movie. It's a yeah, very moving. Vin Diesel did so good. <laughs> Although Vin Diesel also made me cry as Groot in, uh, okay. <laughs> in Guardians of the Galaxy. Vin Diesel sacrifices himself for humanity <laughs> over and over, people, and it gets me teary. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So mm. I, do you feel like that's... Healthy or unhealthy? <laughs> and those are the only two boxes I'm allowed. Healthy uh, or unhealthy? I, I, well, let's hear the diagnosis. So you can preform diagnose honestly, me. Honestly, and this is totally not me saying. I would honestly say, like, do you feel that's healthy? Uh, I mean, I don't mind it. I cry every time Forrest Gump uh, mm-hmm. talks to Jenny at her grave. Okay, and and then the birds come like, in. Is it working for you? Meaning, as an outlet? Not just as an outlet, but the fact that. You don't express emotions um, outside of movie watching in that way. Is that okay with you and the people around you? Is that working for you? Okay, so those are two different questions, right? So for me, that's fine. Okay. I have no issue with it. For the people around me, I'm not sure if that's okay because I think they want me to feel uh, emotions in the moment. They want you to. I think so, yeah. Okay. Because that's human. Mm-hmm. So that, <laughs> be a human. Um, so you're okay with it, but then really it's not okay for you because other people are wanting that from you? Or are you okay with them wanting that and you're not giving that? Do you know what I mean by that? No. Okay, what I mean is that 
there's you're personally being okay with it if you lived in a vacuum you don't so are you okay with the fact that maybe like your partner wants that and is not getting that uh no okay so then you're not okay with it I'm okay in a vacuum. I'd be okay. Yeah, with but it. in in the non-vacuum, in you're the not non-vacuum, okay with it. I think people want me to feel things. Okay. With them. Yeah, and then you would also want that. Because, yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 So. Um, but I can't will myself to cry at other things. No. Uh, so I mean, okay. Another example mm-hmm. uh, is in college. Yeah. I found out uh, from a friend, a, a mutual friend of ours, that our mutual friend had committed suicide. Yes. Over okay. the phone. And I was like, okay, uh, I will go home. I will go on to kayak.com and find a flight out there and we will have a memorial and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, how are you not more upset about it? You should be like really crying about this. I'm like, right now I'm just trying to figure out how to get out there. Yes, yes. There's another person who like wanted me to feel all these, but I like, "Mm, I, I will do that and unpack that later. Yeah. But right now I'm going to logistically figure out how to get to you. And I think that's very normal. I do. I think um, people... So that's why I was asking, is this something that you want? Because I think people express their grief or express mm-hmm. sadness in lots of different ways. And there's sometimes this pressure where it's like, you should be like this, right? You should mourn like this. Yeah. Where I, I don't really subscribe to that. But... What does the research say? <laughs> What's the research say? About, I think the research, I don't know this research, is not my area. Uh-huh. I would guess that it supports the idea that you get to grieve the way you want to grieve. I mean, most therapists will say, like, you get to um, grieve in your own time. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, like, if you do want to be more, like, present with your emotions, mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage you <laughs> to actually... To, you looked to, so seriously at me just now. Yeah, I would encourage you to, to talk to someone about that. Like, how can I be more present and express my emotions in that moment if that's what mm. you want to do? Maybe I should see somebody. Mike, <laughs> that's totally up to you. <laughs> uh, I'm pro-therapy for everybody. Hey, I think I agree. I agree. I think, I'm pro-therapy um, too. People I didn't used to be that way. Really, I used to hate psychologists. Really? Why? Yeah, I don't know. I found them manipulative. Okay. The idea of psychology, I thought, was manipulative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess psychology in its worst form is manipulative, right? Yeah, nobody wants to end up like Brian Wilson. <laughs> just as an example. I mean, I'm not saying all therapists are like that. I'm just okay. my experience as a, at a younger age. I, I don't know. Okay, yeah. Maybe that has a lot of... Maybe, maybe there's some roots there. I feel like you keep giving me these little, like, things I really just want with. free like, advice yes, from you. Yes, you're like, do you think this is an issue? Maybe, is this, an maybe issue? this is an issue. Is this an adoption Not issue? Not if this is an issue. This is, yeah, just <laughs> like, give me something. All right. All right. <laughs> Where can people find you on social media? Can they find oh, you on God. social media? Um, Are you I available am... to contact? No, people can just For email. For other free advice? People can, <laughs> people can email me. Um, I'm very easily Googleable, and so they can just email me my BC address. But I am on Facebook. I don't do much on Facebook. Okay. Um, I'm not that active, but I do respond to messages. Uh huh. 
But then I've heard, like, if we're not friends, it goes to another folder, so don't do that. Um, like, if you don't know me, you know, if you're, like, you're not friends on Facebook, uh-huh. like, you don't, it goes to some mysterious folder. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so a dark zone. Email is the best way to reach okay, me. Okay, so what's your email? Is, um, my BC email is K-I-M-R-T. I don't know why they put the RT there. Yeah. I think it's just we have so many Kims that they just start, you know, putting random letters. Random letters, yeah. So it's K-I-M-R-T at bc.edu. Uh-huh. But it, actually, if you email omio, one word, dot Kim at bc.edu, it comes to me too. Okay. I have actually all iterations of my name uh-huh. come to me. You can just actually write omio Kim at bc.edu, it comes to me. Yeah, the, I tried, I, told, I asked the IT people and they're like, anything... Like <laughs> related in there, like anything it will, remotely close, it will come to you. So, <laughs> wow. um, hopefully, it comes to me. If I don't write back though, within like two days, just resend it <laughs> because um, I sometimes it gets lost, you know, uh-huh. in all the emails. But I do not mind the, the resend it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. This was a crazy how long I talked for. You didn't I think you could like, do it. I was I like, know. after 10 minutes, we're just going to be like, hey, hey. <laughs> but no, this is this Everybody is says that. I don't this know why. This is great. No, I, I don't think, I didn't think I was going to be able to fill the, the void, but I did. Well, good job filling the void. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. And that was the episode with Omo Kim. Huh? What do you guys think about that? That's a great episode. Again, I want to thank Omeo for coming on the show. Get in touch with her or Amy for their workshop. Uh, I, I wish I could go. I'm really looking forward to hearing what how it was and how it went. Uh, and it's just going to be fantastic. And I really uh, hope you guys get to go experience that. It's going to be great. So get in touch with them. Seriously. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really still want to thank uh, AKA. You know, just fantastic, really. I just can't express enough how great of an organization that is. You guys are doing great work. Uh, NISAC, again, thank you very much for letting me participate in the panel this weekend. It was great. Uh, what else? Let me see. Music Today is provided by The Bell at Needle Drop Records and a collective effort. You can visit their SoundCloud. Just go on SoundCloud and search for a collective effort. This Thursday, I will be live tweeting the Donaldson Adoption Institute. Let's talk. Ref- let's adopt reform. Uh, Chicago Town Hall. And it's a panel discussion moderated by the Donaldson Adoption Institute CEO, April Dinwiddie, who I will be interviewing this week for next week's show. And you can listen all to that on Sunday. Uh, in the meantime, if you are in the Chicago area and want to visit that, please register at their website, letsadoptreform.org. Uh, I will be live tweeting it because they live stream it online as well. So if you aren't in the Chicago area, you can always watch that live like I will be doing and you can follow me on Twitter at the Rambler ADHD you can like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Rambler ADHD and you can email me at the Rambler ADHD at gmail.com listen if you want to be interviewed for the show or you uh, know people who like these kinds of topics you you have adopted friends you are adopted your parents adopted you you know are connected with the adoption world in some way shape or form please let them tune in have them tune into the show i think they'll really enjoy it if you really enjoy it they might like it too so spread the word on twitter and facebook and stuff okay 
Oh, other big news. I'm uh, also now in the Google Play Store for all you Android users and people who like Google Music. So just go into the podcast section. I don't, I don't know if there's a podcast section. Go into the search bar and just look for the Rambler. And under the podcast section, you will see my name and face right there with the show and everything. And all the episodes are also available there from now on as well. You can always look it up on iTunes as well. It's on iTunes. Please rate me. Leave a nice review if you like it. If you don't like it, then don't leave anything. Um, We're on Podbean and the last episode or maybe last two episodes uh, are on SoundCloud as well. Uh, The last episode usually because uh, the interviews are tending to go a little bit long now, which you may have noticed. Uh, But but that's okay because the, the panelists, my guests, my friends, have a lot to say, as do I, even if we tend to ramble. So I appreciate your listening, and I look forward to hearing from you if you would like to contact me. And please tune in to next week's episode with April Dinwoody. All right? Listen, you guys have a great week. Enjoy your week. <sighs> I'm worn out. I'm worn out. I'm tired. This is a long weekend. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week. I'm going to take a nap. Bye. Purple rain